You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carries Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Friday, October 13th. Friday the 13th. It is spooky season. And if you're playing against the 49ers, it is really scary hours for you. And this week, week six, it's the Cleveland Browns who are up next. Joining me is Lori Fitzpatrick to deep dive into this matchup and look at some cautious and some you know favorable matchups for the 49ers Lori how are you doing I'm doing pretty good I'm excited to kind of like dive into this a little bit I watched a lot of uh Browns film especially against the uh Baltimore Ravens because I feel like that's a kind of similar matchup to what they're going to see against the 49ers this week so there's a lot of interesting stuff in there yeah, I, I think so, too. That was a pretty good one. And did you enjoy that beatdown on Sunday? You know, I know you hate the Cowboys, too, so you probably like that, right? Exactly. That was, that was awesome. And I liked Kittle's shirt even more than anything. So, you know, he got fined for that. I texted you exactly. this morning, and obviously you knew that, but. Yeah, I did want to mention it here on the pod as well that, you know, the NFL did fine George Kittle for the F Dallas shirt little north of uh, 13k so that'll you know leave a little ding in his pockets but nothing he can't afford and i'll just say this i mean kittle said that he would 100 do it again so who knows maybe we do see it again if these two teams meet and yeah because I mean, honestly kittle was just paying some homage there he might have one for the eagles too i'm not gonna lie because there's a lot of beef going on between them especially after that uh that conference game or whatever when they played. So there's, you know, I'm going to, I'm looking forward to, to what he's going to show, uh, you know, in that game too, which I think, what is that? November 20th or something like that. So uh, it's coming up. Though. It's week 13. I'm like, yeah, week 13. I don't know what, what month. Yeah. That's gotta be in November. Right. So, cause I don't think it's quite December yet. So yeah. I mean, he can really start a new rivalry if he wears a t-shirt for that game too. Uh, But you have to win if you're going to show off the t-shirt. That's kind of, that's my thing. So hopefully he does have a shirt to show off for that one too. Um, But let's get into this matchup. Uh, The 49ers are going to be playing an away game for what feels like a long time. It's been a while since they've had an away game and this time in Cleveland, the weather's going to be a little iffy. There's going to be some rain in the forecast on and off on the day in Cleveland, uh, especially during the afternoon hours. And not just that, but there's supposed to be some winds too, 15 to 25 miles an hour. Uh, so that could potentially impact, I think, like a couple of things in this game. I really don't think it'll change the way that the game is played, but it could impact, you know, the kickers, for example, uh, like Jake Moody could impact, you know, maybe those deep ball attempts a little bit. Who knows? I just know that usually when it does rain, that seems to favor the defense more often than not. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to, you know, most likely run, you know, lean a little bit more on that run game, which, you know, the the Browns, obviously, we know are really good at the run game. And so are the 49ers on the offensive side of the ball. So I think it's going to be a dirty one. Like it's going to be. It's going to be muddy. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure they have grass uh, at Cleveland. Um, they do. and they, they do, yeah. And they're also going to be playing 
in their white, all white jerseys, the, the Browns are. So they're going to look really like money. By the end of the game, what? who knows? That's crazy. Uh, oh, depending on how much it rains, of course. It might not even rain that much. But Why are they gets, wearing white? Like, are they trying to be like the Dallas Cowboys? It's like, you know how the Bengals had their all white jerseys that oh. they had on like primetime not too long ago? It's kind of like that. It's, it's like, like their, their cool, color rush. It's their cool it. alternate. Yeah. Okay. So the Not 49ers sure. are actually playing their red, uh, playing with their red home reds on, on Sunday. So we'll see what that looks okay. like. But uh, so as far as the injury report goes, I mean, on the 49ers side, Aaron Banks, the left guard who left the Cowboys game early with the shoulder injury, he's been cleared. I mean, he didn't practice too much this week. He was limited most of the week, but that's a great sign for the 49ers and pretty big development there. Dre Greenlaw is listed as questionable, but he didn't practice this week at all. The one thing I will mention, Kyle Shanahan said that Greenlaw is one of those guys who don't need, he he doesn't need to practice in order to play on Sunday. So we'll see how he feels on Sunday. And I mean, I, I, I have to imagine maybe he's leaning on the positive side of questionable right now. And that would certainly give the 49ers uh, a good boost, of course, if he's out there. We know how good he is. And then on the Brown side, we have a couple of notable out designations, Deshaun Watson and Joel uh, Bitten- Bittinio. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, his, his last name just gives me, like, uh, difficulty. Bittinio. And, and Bettino has actually started like the last 102 games for the Browns. So losing him is pretty wow. good for them. And I think like the next left guard on the depth chart for them is Michael Dunn. He's a former undrafted free agent. He's played the last three seasons with Cleveland, mostly as a depth piece. So I don't know much about him, to be honest, but I know he isn't the starter. So that should favor the 49ers there. Yeah, they should probably blitz him for sure. Yeah, I well, you know, honestly, the 49ers haven't done a lot of blitzing this year compared to like what Steve Wilkes used to do in his like previous defenses. I think he's figured out like he doesn't really need to with with this uh, front that he currently has uh, in San Francisco, but I'm sure he'll definitely be dialing up the pressure regardless that's not one of the matchups I'm worried about, though. I'll tell you which one I am, and it's actually the 49ers offensive line going up against this Browns defensive line. And I will say this. The 49ers offensive line has looked better in the last two games, and mostly when I'm talking about the offensive line, like I'm talking about the right side. I'm talking about Spencer Burford, Colton McKivitz. You know, those are the guys I really have questions on. I don't have any questions about Trent Williams and Aaron Banks. Um, and so that right side has looked better, but I'm a little skeptical, um, and in particular with Spencer Burford. And I think Brock Purdy, he's getting the ball out really quick. And I think like if he wasn't getting the ball out quick, he'd be in some trouble because I, I've seen some things. I've seen Spencer Burford, you know, give up some some pressures that if Brock didn't get the ball out so quickly, he would have probably taken a sack. So I'm looking at those two guys on the right side, Spencer Burford, Colton McKivitz, and they're probably going to see a lot of Zadarius Smith and sometimes Ogbo Okoronkwo. hope I'm saying his name correctly as well. Um, and uh, Zadarius Smith doesn't have a sack yet this season, but he has 13 pressures, nine hurries, and so he's still having his presence felt. 
Uh, Okoronkwo has three sacks on the season on just six pressures, so that's pretty efficient. So this is going to be another big test for the 49ers going up against this Browns uh, 4-3 front. Yeah, I think that uh, what was interesting on tape was that how what what the 49ers were doing was their their right tackle and their right guard were kind of doubling up on on the defensive tackle that was rushing in and Kittle was you know um he was kind of chipping at the end and giving yeah. Purdy a little more time and then when um when McKivitz saw that you know Burford had his uh, his assignment down like he wasn't getting giving up too much pressure then he was kind of picking up the end a little, a little delayed and then Brock Purdy can pretty much just step up at that point if he still has the ball in his hands. But they're doing a really good job double teaming. Um, and I think, uh, you know, what I saw on film, what the what the Browns do, there's not a lot of stunts. You know, they're just rushing clean. They're rushing straight. Like, they're not really, you know, mixing it up. And, and I think that's going to help Burford. You know, he doesn't have to kind of worry about when to pick up the stunt coming around, you know, from the from the edge or anything like that. It's It'll be easy, like, for him in terms of, you know, having to know, okay, when am I going to pick up my guy? Because they just seem like they're, they're just rushing straight ahead, so. Yeah, that yeah, that that is a good point. That's something that could definitely help Burford in this case. And you said it, like I think Brock's doing a great job of I I think like uh not exposing his offensive line to to some things. Like he's making his offensive line look I think better than it has been in particular like that right side Burford um because he has that escapability and he could step up when he knows he needs to. He has that good pocket presence thinking about that touchdown. He had his first touchdown on Sunday when he kind of like escaped a bit to his right and found George Kittle in the end zone. So things like that can, you know, Brock Purdy can help out there, but it isn't just Garrett and, you know, Zadarius Smith. Um, they've also got uh, Dalvin Tomlinson and Shelby Harris, and and those guys will be busy, I think, trying to stop one man in particular on this 49ers offense. And I'm not actually talking about Brock Purdy. I'm talking about Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the Cowboys defense just a week ago did a pretty good job, I thought, limiting Christian McCaffrey on Sunday night, just 51 rushing yards on 19 carries. And so the Browns defense will look to do the same. And I think they're equipped for it. Their defense right now has a 69.9% success rate in stopping the run. And they're only allowing 3.2 yards per carry, which is tied with Seattle for best in the league right now. Um, I will just say this. Uh, McCaffrey has scored. a He did score a touchdown last Sunday. That was 14 straight. He could make it. 15 straight games with a touchdown if he scores one again on Sunday against the Browns. The only caveat there is that the Browns defense has not allowed any running back to score a touchdown on them through their first four games. So mm-hmm. that again, another like best versus best kind of thing in this matchup. I really do hope that we see Christian McCaffrey get one. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I hope so too, but it is going to be tough because the Browns they undoubtedly have, you know, the best run defense in the league. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to um, Doug Farrar's podcast 
and and I retweeted that actually today and they're talking about the rush defense against motions so the Browns play a lot of zone defense right so you know normally when you see zone defenses when the motion comes everybody kind of stays still and like then that then you know that when that guy when that offensive player gets to the other side that that zone defender just picks him up but the Browns they actually shift so if they shift so much and they do like a second motion and they snap like they snap the ball like off key, then it could leave them on their heels. It could leave a huge like gap within the defense. So, you know, that it, and if McCaffrey can run outside the tackles, um, you know, that'll be helpful because the Browns EPA against um, uh, deep, like rushing outside the tackles drops to 12th. So I think they could, you know, have a good job. Like they could do well if they keep it outside the tackles and make sure they motion. Cause you know, like they mentioned on that podcast, they give up, what was it? Six or no, they give up uh 4.5 yards yeah. after carry or after, you know, per carry. And the 49ers average six yards per carry when they do motion. So that's definitely in favor for the 49ers. Yeah, that that was a great podcast. I, I actually like I was gonna bring that up too, so I'm glad you did before me. Um, that was on the X and O's podcast. Great one. I haven't I hadn't listened to it before, so I'll probably <laughs> check it out after this because I was really interested in what they were saying. And when on runs without motion, they are allowing just 1.4 yards per carry. So you see the difference there is pretty uh, stark and significant. Very significant. As we know, the 49ers offense uses motion like one of the most in the league, I think. So, yeah, that that should be something that can maybe get the Browns defense a little little frazzled and and out of their comfort zone a bit. Yeah, I I think just as long as they run that motion. But it's interesting because I saw a chart the other day um, on Twitter. It was like, what are the teams that run? Uh, run, run, pass in that sequence, like on first downs, like first down, run, mm-hmm. second down, run, third down, pass. The 49ers do that the third most. So I think they kind of have to switch that up a little bit this week. They might have to, you know, throw a pass in there on second down instead of just running it all the time because the Browns are so good against the run. So they will, I think, have to switch it up a little. Yeah, that's yeah, so that's predictable. Fair. Right. I, I think another thing I want to mention too is that the Browns defense is allowing – just 9.25 first downs per game. And that I think is the best in the league too. So they're obviously making it tough to move the ball on them, not just on the ground, but any, any way (laughs) you can move it. The 49ers and the Dolphins offense right now are tied for most first downs a game right now with 24.8. So again, you know, best, best defense in the league versus the best offense in the league. Um, But you know, you mentioned that you had been watching the Browns tape against the Ravens, and that's who they played before their bye. Uh, another good team. I I would argue, I don't want to discredit anything like the, that the Browns have done so far, because like I think their defense is legit. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. That week one game against the Bengals, like we know that Joe Burrow was not right. Um, that was also a divisional game. And then they played the Steelers. We know what the Steelers' offense is looking like right now. Then they played the Titans. Um, Derrick Henry, who's you know one of the best to ever do it, he's kind of a shell of himself this season. Um, you know, I'll just I'll just say that. And then you know the Ravens, who were able to put 16 points up on 
the Browns defense. So I feel like there could be some opportunity for the 49ers to maybe like push the envelope uh, a little bit here against this Browns defense, just because of how good I think they are. So while I, I do feel like the Browns will be able to limit the 49ers to an extent, there should be some give there, I think. Yeah, I mean, they they let up um, the most rush yards, um, you know, their defenses against the Ravens. Um, only the Bengals were second closest with 75 rush yards, but they allowed the Ravens to get 131. So they definitely figured it out, um, like figured out that Browns defense. Um, and, you know, they play a lot of cover one. So I think, yeah. you know, that's one that's one of the tells, um, you know, that you'll be able to do. Uh, just as long as like what I mentioned with the Doug for our podcast, kind of do a lot of motions, get them on their heels, make them move around a lot and find that weak point, try to stick to the outside. I think, you know, the, hopefully they get more than 131 and they kind of show, you know, Hey, the Browns defense won't be, you know, much against the best offense in the league. So. Yeah. And I also, I was trying to look up, uh, so they Lamar Jackson, because in my head, I was like, he rushed a lot in that game, but actually he he rushed six times, uh, just 27 yards, which doesn't seem like a lot. But he had two touchdowns as well on the ground. So, yeah, and one of those touchdowns was against the zone defense. And what they did, was they basically, you know, they ran like a almost like a jet sweep in a way. It was it was pretty much just a run option. So they ran across the back of the line. But. You know how usually they'll do the motion and then they'll let that guy get set and then they'll snap the ball. The Ravens didn't do that. They they pretty much snapped it when he like wasn't even past the tackle yet. So it was kind of like off set, I guess you could say. So they kind of like caught them off guard. Um, and that motion, once they shifted and then they didn't really communicate it fast enough before the snap came and Lamar was just able to to run it right up the gut. So. You know, I think not allowing, not giving them time to communicate is going to be key. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely important to for Brock. I know he's not like the mobile quarterback that Lamar Jackson is, but I think like we can maybe see Brock move out of the pocket a little bit more than maybe we've seen in previous weeks. And and as I mentioned before, he did it on that one uh, touchdown to Kittle. Speaking of George Kittle. Um, the Browns allowed two touchdowns to tight end Mark Andrews last week, or sorry, two weeks ago, I guess, who is another top five tight end in the league. The only other good tight end the Browns have really even faced this year. He caught all five of his targets for 80 yards. So similar to Kittle, like I think, you know, Mark Andrews can create mismatches and they had some issues with that. George Kittle can create mismatches for this defense. And we saw Kittle eat against the Cowboys cover one. I know you mentioned the Browns run a lot of cover one. So this could be another day where we see a guy like Kittle really benefit from that. Um, The Browns run cover one the most in the league. So they also do a lot of like single high with Thornhill uh, with their other safety Delpit hanging around the box a lot. And we talk about the aggressive front of the Browns defensive line and they can, you know, create a high traffic area, like in the middle of the field. Um, but some other guys like George Kittle can maybe expose that a little bit, seeing how much success, you know, Brock Purdy had against Dallas last week. Do you think like Jim Schwartz would try to change anything with his defense? Maybe, not try to run as much cover one seeing as how like they had a lot of success. 
I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think he'll, you know, he'll run more, um, not more, but he'll, I don't think he'll switch it up, um, you know, against the 49ers. You know, I remember when, you know, he was with the Eagles, he kind of relied a lot on the corners to kind of be able to do their job. Um, and, but, you know, I like this matchup against the tight ends. Um, right now when, uh, when the Browns faced off against, uh, against the, uh, the Ravens in week four, they allowed 116 passer rating, um, you know, against the seam route. So I think that's going to be open because, you know, the, the 49ers have a uh, use check and they also have McCaffrey. So what they can do is run that little Texas route. Um, with one guy and then have another guy go on the flat so that, you know, the linebacker have to cover that, right? The nickel has to go to the flat and then guess what's wide open? The seam. So I think, you know, they're going to try to just stick with what they know because they're one of the best defenses. So, um, you know, and, unless they do switch it up, it will surprise me. But I think they'll yeah. run a lot of cover one still. I mean, it could kind of be like the – the Cowboys did right where they started the game in cover one. Cause they're like, Hey, this has worked for us all season. We're not going to switch it up. And then like by the end of the game, like they did have to adjust a little bit, uh, you know, just because the 49ers were having so much success with it. So we'll see um, what the Browns do. I will say like Jim Schwartz has kind of had Kyle Shanahan's number a bit in like the times that they've matched up. So it'll be interesting to see how this one uh, plays out. Um, but I'm sure Kittle will see plenty of the Browns linebackers, Anthony Walker Jr. and Stone. Uh, God, I, I don't, I think it's like Sion, uh, Taki Taki. Uh, both of those guys are allowing passer ratings of over 110 in their coverage. But then again, maybe after seeing what Kittle did last week, you know, the Browns focus on Kittle a little bit more, right? That's always a possibility too. But as we know too well with this 49ers offense, if you're going to focus on one guy more than the other, another guy is going to benefit, right? So, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like maybe that guy can be Brandon Ayuk. Uh, like, obviously, Denzel Ward, uh, Greg Newsom, they're really good corners. I mean, and and you said that Schwartz really depends on his corners a lot. And why wouldn't you when you have guys like Ward and, and Newsom, and they also have um, Emerson as well, Um the one thing that I think the Browns are doing really well too is limiting the big plays. They're actually second in limiting explosive plays of 20 yards or more this season. Only the 49ers defense has been better at that this season. So also similar to the 49ers defense right now, Newsom and Ward are doing and Emerson are doing a really good job keeping everything in front of them, I think. And uh just to mm -hmm. kind of like illustrate that. Uh, I'm pulling up Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward's numbers, and you know I'm I'm seeing that they do allow a pretty decently like, completion percentage. But if you look at the yardage, it's all pretty low. So week one, uh, I think Newsom missed one of the games, so he he allowed 18 yards, 16 yards, and then 50 51 yards in one game. But that's all pretty respectable. And then Denzel Ward, uh, 26 yards. 114 in week two, which was mostly skewed by a 71 yard play. Um, and then after that, 11 yards, 13 yards, that is total guys. Like that's all they gave up. So that's, that's good. Like admirable numbers. And like I said, it's really limiting what offenses are able to do um, against them. Yeah. They're not allowing a lot of yards after catch, you know, 
they're one of the best um, defenses against curls. Um, you know, they kept everything in front of them. And it's a good thing 49ers actually run the least amount of curls in the league. So um, so the, the, what they're probably going to do is they're going to do some switches in the middle of the field and, and try to keep, um, you know, keep the Browns defense guessing. Um, but, you know, like I mentioned, Jim Schwartz, he doesn't really like to blitz a ton. So that's, you know, it's keeping a lot of guys back, uh, you know, back in, in the past defense to try to keep everything in front of them. Um, so, you know, he's still the same old Jim Schwartz, but now he has better players. So, you know, they're, they're not great against screens. You know, it's going to have to be a middle of the field, not middle of the field, but like a second level type of uh, type of offense. You know, not the screen flat type of runs to let the yards after the catch, not, but like more like, hey, like 10, 11 yards, that's going to be the sweet spot. Brock Purdy is going to have to complete a lot of those passes, you know, if they want to do well this week. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, you know, as we mentioned, like they play a lot of man, a little over half of the time they're in man coverage, and that's still sixth most in the league. So, like I mentioned before, like call me crazy. I still feel like this is a good matchup for Brandon Ayuk, despite like how good these corners are. And last week I brought up how Ayuk's target share jumps up to about 30% against man coverage. Uh, that was before week five was played. So I don't know what that percentage is right now, but I think the point still stands that, Hey, this guy is getting a ton of targets in man coverage. So, I know how good Newsom and Ward is, Emerson as well, and they're allowing a quarterback rating of 6.4 when they play man right right now. But what I will say is like, and I still feel this way, Brandon Ayuk against anyone one-on-one, like I'm liking that matchup. Like I've been saying it every week and I'll say it until it isn't true anymore. Like maybe it won't be true in this game and I'll just like eat my words, <laughs> you know, come come Monday of the post game. But right now I feel very confident in what Brandon Ayuk is doing like as a route runner. And he's been a big weapon for the 49ers, like more down the field. Uh, he's averaging 18 yards per reception. If the big throws aren't there, you know, this week, Fine. Like, I still feel like you can have a day. Like last week, for example, he had four catches, 58 yards, but three of them went for first down. Like, that's what he's doing, right? He's helping move the chains. He's been a reliable target for Brock Purdy. He's catching everything his way. He's gone um, seven games without a drop dating back to last season with the postseason included. So he's been uh, really reliable for this team right now. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think, you know, if – if Ayuk is manned up against against a guy, you know, against any of the defenders, he's going to win. And the Browns aren't really running any cover two man. So he's not going to have any any help. You know, especially if you have two guys going deep, there's just going to be that single high safety at the top. That's the only help that you're going to get if you want to run that cover one man. So that's going to be tough. You know, you have two guys go deep crossing that that safety is going to have to pick a guy. And mm-hmm. if he picks the wrong guy, you know, hopefully, you know, Ayuk is the one to kind of get the ball. But um, yeah, I mean, it might be it might be Debo, you know, if they send Ayuk, yeah. Ayuk, Ayuk deep. So could be the one. The one thing with Debo is like he's not as good in man because I don't think like he has that same route running ability as Ayuk, and like his separation just isn't as good. He's much better in zone. But I will say this about Brock and Ayuk and why that connection is working so 
so well right now. Like I think Brock Purdy, the when he's getting the ball out is you're seeing a lot of anticipation throws. He's throwing like just as Ayuk is starting his break, sometimes even before he breaks. Beautiful. And that as a corner, yeah, and that as a corner, like you can't really cover that. Like that's yeah, kind of hard to it's impossible. To cover. Yeah. So as long as the timing is right for Brock Purdy and, you know, if he gets that time in the pocket, as we were mentioning, like that could be a thing this week. We'll see. But it, as long as he gets enough time, um, you know, I think those throws will be there for him. So I will say this, though, like if, if the Browns can shut down Ayuk, it could be a tough game for Purdy, but they can offset that as well with some play action. The Browns are giving up nine and a half yards per attempt against play action, and that ranks 25th in the league. And Purdy is averaging 10.6 yards per attempt off play action. So this could be one of those where the 49ers offense can find some success. Like this, this Browns defense does have some flaws. So I think if the 49ers can just you know, work on attacking those, they'll be okay. And I don't even think the 49ers offense needs to have a ton of offensive success in this one to win the game because I think their defense will take care mm -hmm. of business against uh, P.J. Walker. I, I think and, that's where the mismatch is, honestly, is that yeah. defense. Um, but you have to remember we mentioned a couple of weeks ago McCaffrey in the passing game. They haven't really had to use him. Maybe this is that game. It could be. I mean, who knows? Then uh, the one thing I'll say about like PJ Walker, he had an admirable like run with Carolina last season. Uh, and if you guys recall, he entered the game in week five as a Carolina Panther against the 49ers. And then he played a number of games after that. And you know what hadn't really struck me. I've been talking about how like Steve Wilkes has like all this familiarity with uh, PJ Walker from his time in Carolina last year, but uh, there's uh, other guys too. Like even Sam Darnold was in the same quarterback room with him. You know, uh, Christian McCaffrey was with him on the same team for at least some time. And of course, yeah, like most notably, of course, is Steve Wilkes. Cause I'm, I'm sure Steve Wilkes knows, you know, if there's anything that PJ Walker doesn't do well, I would think the, the coach knows. Um, and, I know that Wilkes was the interim head coach and that happened like mid season, but, or it was kind of early in the season it actually happened after they played the 49ers. Um, but he was also the passing game coordinator before he became the interim head coach. So, you know, in that regard, he had to have some familiarity with PJ Walker, even before he became the quarterback. So uh, I'll just say that, like, I think having that, um, familiarity with him will be important especially because like you're going into a game where you know maybe you expected Deshaun Watson to play or like maybe you felt you had to prepare for uh you know Dorian Thompson Robinson as well you know like there are a lot of guys to kind of prepare for at least you already have some prior experience like with working with PJ Walker that can help you in this one yeah I mean PJ Walker is, you know, nothing fantastic. We see his numbers here, but I do remember that Atlanta game. You remember when yeah. he, he came in and he threw that bomb uh, yes. to, to basically tie it up? Yeah, that was that was insane. So, you know, he has a big arm, um, yeah. but will he, you know, will he have anyone open downfield for him to throw to? And that's going to be the big question. 
And and remember, Lori, what I mentioned in the beginning of the show, the weather could play a factor there, too. So, like, if he has a big arm, like, sure, throw it. But, like, that thing might float in the air for uh, maybe a little longer than, you know, you'd normally expect because there's going to be high winds for this one. So that could play a role there. Yeah. Um, Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, you know, Pierre Strong, those are the guys here, you know, he might be relying on this week yeah and like look i i'm optimistic that the browns offense i mean they're not gonna have nick chubb they're not gonna have uh bettino as i as i mentioned no watson and so even though they have cooper najoku uh jerome ford i still feel good about like steve wilkes cooking up something nice for the defense i feel like uh wilkes has been acclimating very well like these last few weeks especially uh, to the 49ers defense. He called a great game against Dallas last week. So I'm, I'm feeling really good. And I'll also add that the Browns pass game is 31st in DVOA. Their run game is 24th. So it's not the, it's not the best. Yeah, that's with Deshaun Watson. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm just throwing this up on, on the screen here. Um, offenses through entering week six. Remember, you know, the Browns have only played four games because they had their bye week, but you see where the Browns are in relation to the 49ers. The 49ers are in the top right. Always when it comes to these charts, that's the place you want to be in the top <laughs> right. But the Browns are in the bottom uh, left quadrant here. So that just illustrates the difference, the stark difference between both of these offenses. We, we want to keep in mind, though, these are the games that end up being really close because there's not a lot of film, you know, on, yeah, on PJ yeah. Walker on, in this offense. So, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be a close game or anything, but, you know, I, I think it will be a game of defenses. So, yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, like we we've been mentioning the weather too could play a role in that. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll also mention, like the Browns haven't formally announced to the left guard is going to be, uh, but I'm assuming it could be former UDFA Michael Dunn, as I mentioned, just because he's the backup left guard on their depth chart, but they can always decide they, they want to move someone else to that spot. So who knows, but regardless of who it is, like they'll have to face uh, Javon Hargrave and Hargrave has 19 pressures, 14 hurries and three sacks on the season. So whoever is going to be there, it's going to be a big test for them uh, for Cleveland. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll also mention this, like Randy Gregory, I know we're all kind of like anxious to see what he'll look like. The 49ers traded for him uh, last week, just a week ago. So obviously he didn't suit up against Dallas, but I think there's a good chance we see him in this game and, you know, I think he'll probably play in those obvious passing downs, just have him like go after the, you know, the quarterback. And if they do play him, he'll be he'll be lining up against the massive rookie Dwan Jones. Remember Dwan Jones from the, from the senior pool, Larry, uh, Lori? He he was uh he was there like just the first day and like then he was like my my job here's done because <laughs> everyone yeah, was like much. clamoring over him. But uh, yeah, no, he's been solid this year. Actually, he has yet to give up a sack, so it'll be a good test for, um, I think, Dewan Jones. But I, I think I'm excited to see Gregory and just get a sneak peek of what he could add to this defensive line, and in particular, Nick Bosa, who will be lining up against, uh, I think, uh, Jedrick or had, 
something Willis, <laughs> who has he's allowed uh, 18 pressures so far this season. So it could be a big day for Nick yeah. Bosa too. Yeah, for sure. Lori, um, do you have a score prediction? I know you said like you think it could be like kind of close. There are some equalizers well, potentially in this game, I think. I just think it's going to be a run game. Um, and, you know, run games eat a lot of clock. So will they have time? You know, so, yeah, I'll do a score. 17 to 14. I mean, I think it's kind of oh. low. I think it's kind of low. Very low. Um, especially for the 49ers right now, you know, I mean, I could yeah. go 21, but I don't know if it is going to be raining the whole time, you know, and, and they're just controlling the ball on the ground. Like why risk it? You know, just keep the ball on the ground, but you know, the Browns have a good run defense. They have a good defense in general. So, you know, and maybe a lot of punts, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe 17 is a little too low, but I don't know. I think, you know, it, it may be okay. 2114. <laughs> don't don't I don't know. You're pressured by me, Lori. I like if anything, you're probably the most level-headed person here because you have no like dog in the fight. You're you're not yeah, like, they biased, score, like like we you are. Know, but this is a really good defense that they're facing. So um yeah. yeah. Not that it's gonna be close. I just don't think it's gonna be, you know, I'm probably like dead wrong, but I just think it's gonna be definitely, you know, on the ground type of game. Yeah. Oh, it could be. Um, so my prediction is 23 to 3 49ers. And like oh, honestly, shit. honestly, like a complete shutout would not shock me either. But like yeah. I, I understand what you said about like the PJ Walker. You don't have a ton of film on him, and like you didn't have a lot of time to prepare for like you know, knowing he was a starter. So that sometimes does play a role more than I was just thinking one touchdown, okay, and then two field goals. You know, maybe they get in the field goal range twice. So that's why I say 13, because I only think they score once and then, you know, field goals after that. But um, that's if they even get that far. The Cowboys barely even got in the red zone, like, by halftime. So if the Cowboys couldn't... They were not in the red zone at all. So I don't know how the Browns are going to get in the red zone. Like, if the Cowboys can't. That was kind of my reasoning, too. I was like, man, like, if they can shut down the Cowboys like this, like... Yeah, maybe Browns it's going to be, be a lot lower, like in terms of the Browns. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I remembered that, but I completely forgot about it too. So, so yeah. like, okay, so what I've been thinking this entire time is like, okay, the 49ers are the most balanced team here. And I think what's going to make it difficult for the Browns to stop the 49ers at the end of the day is that the Browns offense, I'm, I'm not confident that they'll be able to sustain any drives, which you know, that yeah, means we'll their tire defense, them out. Yeah, their defense is going to have to be out on the field for a long time, and that can snowball very quickly, right, for the Browns. So, um, you know, th- that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, maybe they start off strong, the Browns defense do, but I don't see that holding up for the entire game just because I, I, I can't imagine that their offense will a- actually be able to sustain many drives. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and another thing I, w- I wanted to mention, like, usually – if your offense can't sustain drives as a defense, you really want to get a takeaway. Like that's like so important because then at least you could get some, some extra rest. Uh, But actually surprisingly, as good as the Browns are, they're, uh, they're 31st in turnover margin per game and 28th in takeaways per game. 
So they're not they're not really generating any turnovers. You join that with the fact that the 49ers are second best in turnover margin and giveaways per game. So they're taking care of the football. And so like I think that just further hurts the the Browns chances. Yeah, they're negative but, seven in in yeah. turnover differential. Yeah, the Vikings so like are negative nine. All over. Yeah, yeah, yep. and and they're not getting many takeaways. Only uh, five interceptions and three. Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, one interception. Yeah, when- two fumble <laughs> recoveries. So that's three total. Wow, that's like that's so it. garbage. Even though yeah. their defense is so good, they're not taking that's the ball away. So, so that's what I'm yeah. saying. I think that's yeah. that's gonna hurt them in this one. And yeah, I mean, away game weather, early start time. The Browns are coming off a bye week. Those are all things that could be like equalizers that maybe like help level the playing field a little bit. But I just think like the 49ers are just so much. Now so much more of a better team uh so like i'll just yeah i'll just leave it at like i'll leave it at that but <laughs> yeah like 47 to zero that's it <laughs> <laughs> hey every week it seems like they've just been scoring like more and more so who knows maybe they maybe they do push it to 47 this week um we'll see hopefully uh but guys thank you so much for joining the show today t- tuning in on a friday Maybe you're playing this back on a Saturday or Sunday. I don't know. But make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. If you're an audio listener, any rating or review that you can leave the podcast would be much appreciated. It helps us out a ton. Appreciate all of you. Um, From Lori, from Steph, have a great rest of your day, folks. Peace.